1: Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey,
0: Matt. How's it going? I'm pretty good. Thank you for asking. Oh, that's great. Shut
1: up, Barry. We just got back from Ellie. I had to spend like five days with you, and I've had enough. We got a great show for you today, so let's get right into the intro. Here we go. Our first segment will be Worst Things First, those glorious few minutes where I yell about the shittiest news of the week. After that, I've got some beef with anyone who has anything bad to say about Beyonce, Queen Bee, Beyonce Giselle, Knowles Carter. I will be debunking everyone who's ever said anything negative about her, you motherfuckers. Because it was my B-Day last week, and it's her B-Day in like three weeks. It's, so it's Matt and Beyonce season. Matt Bayesai is how you would pronounce it, if we were one. And finally, we're bringing back one half of one of my favorite podcasts, Throwing Shade. Aaron Gibson will be in the dude. We're going to talk about the Just Last Festival in Montreal, a comedy festival, which was... A tiny bit of a shit show this year, according to the rumors. Also, Aaron has a brand new book coming out this September, and we're going to talk about so much more. That's coming up, so stay tuned. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right, horse things first, the segment where I bring you the worst news of the week. First, first, a grandma in Texas shot a man who walked into her house after she saw him masturbating while riding his bike. Wait. So.
0: Hold on. (laughs) Here's the story.
1: Basically, this, this grandma was just taking the garbage out, you know, and then she took the garbage out, am I right? With a gun! Because she saw this man um, riding a bike while masturbating, which
0: honestly... Wait! Do you remember when I texted you about that?
1: Because you were masturbating on a bike?
0: Yeah, and texting at the same time. No, I saw a dude masturb- I was There was this man who was biking, and he had like this big platform, and his dog was sitting on the platform in front of the bike, and I was so distracted by the adorable dog. And then when I finally looked at him, I looked at his face, and he was making this weird face. And then I looked, and he was wearing an apron, and one of his hands was like, definitely doing some stuff down there. And you were the first person I texted about it.
1: Did you shoot him?
0: Unfortunately, no. Then he you're got not
1: <laughs> a hero. You are complicit in his behavior. You just let it happen.
0: What did the grandma do?
1: Also, he was wearing an apron, so he probably was, was just cooking. He was mincing uh. something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, mincing his dick. Uh,
1: Anyway, this man was riding his bike while masturbating, and this woman saw it, and she yelled at him to stop, and he didn't. But then she went inside, and he tried to follow her inside, which is a no-no. And so he, uh, then she, like, took out a gun and shot him through the door. (laughs) And he's not dead. He is expected to survive. Uh, But this woman is a hero.
0: I feel like he really learned his lesson.
1: We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it's not even the first time that he has been, like, charged with mischief. Because the week before, he was charged with exposing himself after he was allegedly caught walking down the street with no clothes. So at least he was on a bike this time. Next! A 27-year-old man faked his own death and staged mortuary photos to stop his wife from asking him for money. Whoa. As you do. (laughs) Basically, I guess his wife wanted some money and this man was like, I don't want to give you any money. So he staged photos of himself with cotton wool stuffed into his nostrils and mouth and a white sheet over his body. I don't know what this man thinks that dead people look like <laughs> so he's like let me just shove a cotton ball up my nostril <laughs> that's what they do and uh, put a bed sheet over myself these photos you'll have to look it up because they are they don't look like a dead person at all <laughs> first of all he looks like he's smiling he looks like he's just woke up from like the dentist oh my God. yeah no <laughs> Like, the dentist just barely put him to sleep. That's what it looks like. So he sent his wife these photos. She lives in Honduras. I guess the, like, local media started reporting on his death, and his, like, parents and the rest of his family (laughs) got wind of it and were like, oh, no, he's dead. So he had to, like... What
0: did he think was going to happen?
1: You know, the other option is just don't send her money. Or unless you are legally obligated to send her money. Next, a woman in Florida, only in Florida, was fleeing police for an alleged drug possession. They were chasing her down. She ditched her car and ran into a pasture where a herd of 16 cows is responsible for helping capture her. Boom! Anyway, a group of officers who are like watching this chase happening from the helicopter said, if you see a large group of cows, they're literally following her. Moving along.
0: Moving along.
1: Last week, travelers in Berlin got caught in a rather unexpected airport issue involving sex toys because the airport was suspicious of this man with a large bag that he refused to open insisting that it was full of technical stuff the entire terminal terminal D (laughs) was closed at 11am while a suspicious bag was inspected because the contents could not be discovered from a scan And the police said it was suspicious. The owner was uh, called to discuss the matter, but he refused to open it. And everybody was like, What's going on? What's in here? Turns out it included a variety of sex toys, such as a vibrator. (laughs) That's what this article says.
0: Wow. (laughs) Glad.
1: I'm glad that they specified. Um, An hour long investigation involving the bomb squad determined that they were not dangerous. Just delicious. I can't <laughs> think of an adverb, an adjective. I once had a similar scenario. I had my People's Choice Award that I won in 2016. Drew, I don't know if I've mentioned Did you, that before. You won us That's um, incredible. Yeah. I, this is the first time I'm ever talking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I won a People's Choice Award in 2016.
0: Muscle, Tov! You're so accomplished.
1: Thank you. And uh, I had to bring it on the airplane. I didn't want to put it in the checked bag. I wanted it with me. But it is just a heavy-looking piece of glass. And... The outline looks like a giant dildo Mm -hmm. and the screen it came up and it just looked like a a giant butt blood (laughs) (laughs) and the person was like, what the fuck is that? We're going to have to take a look. And then I bent over (laughs) and spread my cheeks and then they let me go.
0: And they let the Berlin people go too, right?
1: Yes, eventually everybody continued along with their day. It was just a regular incident. The point is, do not be embarrassed by your suitcase full of dildos. If you're brave enough to bring it on an airplane, you're brave enough to display it to the world. Why not? Also, what did you think was going to happen? Like, you kind of expect that you might have to open your bag for someone. And finally, the official location for the U.S. Pizza Museum (gasps) will be Chicago and not New York City, bitches. Take that. And people are not happy about it. People from New York aren't happy about it. First of all, it's a fucking pizza museum. All right? It does not matter. (laughs) If you're from New York and you're shitting your pants over a fucking pizza museum uh, because it'll be in Chicago and not New York, shut the fuck up. It doesn't matter. Just go to Tubros, buy a dollar slice and shove it in your fucking esophagus. So sh- you shut the fuck up. Uh,
0: for someone who claims to not care, really sounds like you care. Um, and that's it for Worst Things First. Next up, we got a deep dive in honor
1: Beyonce, Sasha Fierce, Illuminati, Bootylicious. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep All right, so this week I saw. Our lord and savior, Beyonce Giselle Knowles-Carter, and her husband, Sean, performing the On the Run 2 tour out in New Jersey. It was my third time seeing Beyonce live. Obviously, it was spectacular and amazing and life-changing, and nobody commands a fucking audience like Beyonce. Not to mention, before she even went on, the police made every one of the 50,000 people in the audience evacuate because of a tornado warning in New Jersey. And we all did it, okay? We waited under fucking concrete for like an hour just to see Beyonce. There aren't many performers who people would be willing to put up with that shit for. But when Beyonce tells you to wait, you fucking wait. We also saw Beyoncé's cover of the Vogue September issue come out this week, which she reportedly had unprecedented control over, because if anybody can look at Anna Winter in the face and say, you will remove your sunglasses and never meet my eyes directly, it's Miss Motherfucking Carter. Okay. But of course, whenever there is Beyonce news, there are Beyonce naysayers who like to crawl out of their little cupboards and fucking fart out their diarrhea opinions as if hating the most nominated woman in Grammys history makes them fucking special. Hating one of the greatest entertainers of all time is not a fucking personality. It doesn't make you interesting. It doesn't mean you have good taste in music. It means your soul will never know peace. It means you would rather willingly scoff at greatness than accept happiness and joy. It means you're a fucking idiot, and one day Beyonce will strap on her six-inch stilettos and dance on your grave. So, today, I would like to debunk some of the hate hateful claims against Beyonce because these are facts. She has sold over 100 million records. One of the world's best-selling music artists, 22 Grammys, most awarded artist at the MTV Video Music Awards, the highest paid black musician in history, and she's the first and only musical act in Billboard chart history to debut at number one with their first six solo studio albums. You don't get there through mediocrity, motherfuckers. And I am joined by Barry and producer Josh, all of whom went with me to see Beyoncé in person last week. Welcome.
0: Hi! <laughs> it was my first time seeing her, and it was amazing. Um, we brought Josh on, by the way, because he's essentially a Beyoncé expert. <laughs> Encyclopedia.
1: and, and Beyoncé historian, <laughs> yes. <laughs> first, the biggest claim I would say against Beyoncé is that she is overrated. No! You know who else is overrated? Your mom. When she walked into the alley to give birth to you and the stray cats moved out of her fucking way because they gave her way more respect than she fucking deserved, is my point. Nothing irritates me more than people who dislike something only
2: because other people like it. It reminds me of that meme of Gabrielle Union where she's like... Did that put money in your pocket? Did you get the job? (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. No, that was my, I am like, I wrote, maybe if you'd sacrifice to the same God that Beyonce did, you'd be a billionaire and not just a scrub who tweets, I don't really like Beyonce during your 15-minute break from Jimmy John's. Cold. (laughs) No disrespect to people who work at Jimmy John's, except for Jimmy John. Next! People say everything she does is scripted and choreographed and manufactured. As if, like, if there, you could just like plug anybody into the Beyonce Diva machine and an icon would get pooped out. They'd be everywhere. Wrong, bitch. Motherfuckers have tried and motherfuckers have failed. You will never be Beyonce. Also, sorry, every other artist you apparently see is just like standing naked in the middle of a dirt ditch. No. <laughs> effort goes into every single fucking person that you like does that make sense it's just like don't act like the person you see is just like freshly birthed and like no effort has gone into
2: creating who they are as an artist it's like why are you mad because she's prepared yeah that literally makes no sense like she's competent also
1: guaranteed she could stand in the middle of a f- dirt fucking patch and naked and sing
2: better than any of your other little fact, She divas. has deja vu. <laughs> yeah. Um baby boy. Mm-hmm. She's in the middle of that field and she like does the African dance and does the flip over her head. The other thing I hate is when people are like, Well, like hundreds of people write her music for her.
1: She doesn't even write herself. False. God didn't personally write the Bible. All right. He had his apostles do that shit. He spoke
2: through them. (laughs) And it's just factually incorrect, right? Like, she wrote... Bootylicious. She was the youngest. At one point, she was like the youngest woman to ever be inducted into like ASCAP, which is like the Association for Songwriters. Right. And like a lot of people who we consider like the best artists of all time, didn't write their music. Like Whitney Houston didn't write. The only person that I think did write all of their music, and that's why they're like filthy rich, is like Mariah Carey. Yeah. This would be an okay argument if the songs didn't knock. They're amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... Who the fuck cares? Hundreds of artists are performing songs written by other people, but there's still only one Beyoncé. All that does is show me that on top of being talented as a singer, as a dancer, as a mother, she also has the, the skill of discernment. Like, you can put things in front of her and she's like, that one.
1: Yeah. And she makes it fucking amazing. Amazing. Then there are people who say, like, oh, she can't sing or dance, which is, I, I genuinely don't know if these people believe that when they say it, because it is
2: very easily debunked. And she's singing while she does it. Like, it's on, like, professional athlete status. Like, do you know the amount of endurance that it takes in order to do, like, Egyptian scales that she does over, like, pop music while, like, hitting, like, an eight count? Mm -hmm. and keeping her breath in control. Like, that's insane. I thought of that this morning while I was singing in the
1: shower and I, like, lost my breath. (laughs) And that was just from, like, shaking the shampoo bottle to get to the (laughs) bottom of it. The next one is when people are like, oh, Beyoncé can't act. And you know what? That might be true. That one is true. We'll give you that one. Uh, And we have to accept that and get over it. Even though Foxley Cleopatra single-handedly revived the Austin Powers franchise. Carmen of Hip Hopera is a just...
2: Work of art. Didn't she murder Idris Elba in like a movie? She was married to Idris Elba and obsessed when she was like, and when she fought that white lady that was like from, <laughs> <laughs> from um the original back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the
1: point is, is she Meryl Streep? No, Meryl Streep wishes. But okay. we're all good at something, right? Also, the movie, the movie screen is too limited for the force that is
2: Beyonce. Yeah, that's like one medium. So she needs all of them.
0: Also, there is something about acting in music videos where, like Lemonade, she is performing and acting in a yeah. way that is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, absolutely. and not every actor could do necessarily. Yeah.
1: She she's performed like she's in love with Jay Z for like twenty years. So.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I ain't say nothing about that. <laughs>
1: um, then there's like people who are like, oh, Beyonce thinks she's a god. Uh, yes, she thinks the truth. Next, um, people are like, oh, Beyonce acts like she invented feminism or that she's not a feminist. It's one or the
2: other. That's what they say. It's so annoying because people always want to like examine and scrutinize her feminism. And I just don't understand why, because it's like, do you see how many people have, A, come to understand, like, what feminism means? Like, her using that, like, quote from Chimamanda Adichie, like, that just says that feminism is, like, economic, political, and social equality of the sexes was such a easy way to explain the concept. Yeah. And she had such a big platform in order to do it. So, like, why are you mad? Like, I don't right. understand that. I Yeah, I, like,
1: genuinely believe that that using that quote like, made millions of people understand what feminism is. It literally
2: did for the popular masses what Tumblr did for, like, people who grew up after MTV stopped playing music videos. Like, they got access to language that they needed in order to express how they were feeling that they didn't have access to before. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Betty Friedan, who? (laughs) Gloria Steinem, who?
1: Beyonce. Exactly. Then there's people who are like, oh, she's in the Illuminati and like controls the the global government. I fucking or whatever. wish. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, we would be so lucky if Beyoncé were pulling the strings. Would you if you, I don't. well, are you in the Illuminati matt? I cannot either confirm nor deny. <laughs> I will say that my body is triangle shaped. So <laughs> I mean, I would join. If the Illuminati were real, Tidal would be more
2: successful. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was saying, I mean, I was honestly saying, like, if Beyonce couldn't get me to download Tidal, then that just is very representative of where that. That streaming service is, but I did download it for like the Carter Same. Album.
0: Yeah, for the Carter. <laughs> I just canceled it, but I also loved that as I canceled it, we went to the concert where they just were giving, giving out, out six month trials. Literally. Six month free trials uh, to yeah. 50,000 people w- in one night. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Because they know you're not going to cancel it once you sign up. Yeah, but also they don't know me. (laughs) I set an alarm in my calendar. I was like, (laughs) I have, I have signed up and canceled multiple times, Mm -hmm. and I now have like multiple different email addresses signed up to it. (laughs) But I think I pay for it. I
2: don't know. Yeah, I've 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 given them some money. I've given them a lot of money, actually. Like I, I don't feel any sort of way because, like Beyonce, like literally has a direct deposit into my Chase account. I bought that goddamn coffee table book. That you have never opened. That I'm pretty
1: sure I'm the only only owner of like I don't know if anybody else bought that coffee table. And how table much book. was it? Um too much. <laughs> but it's a limited edition and I will use it to kill a man one day. Because it weighs like thirty pounds and that's it for this week's deep dive thank you to Josh for coming in and imparting your Beyonce wisdom upon us and Barry for also being here My guest complainer today is Erin Gibson. Erin is one of our favorite comedy queens. She's been on Parks and Rec, Community. She co-hosts the amazing podcast Throwing Shade and creator of Funnier or Die's Gay of Thrones. Yes, with Jonathan Van Ness. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the show. Hi,
3: thanks for having me.
1: We're having you back on the show. That's you, right. You have been a guest with Brian, Sophie, your co-host. My
3: co-host. Yep.
1: Um, since we we've had you on the show before, but we'll ask the same question we ask everybody, which is, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves?
3: I think. Well, I I think I hate rosé now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's controversial. Starting to, it's starting
3: to s- taste like vomit.
1: Have There's you thrown up is, a, a lot after nope. drinking rosé? <laughs> not
3: once. It's not like whiskey. Yeah, where I used to drink it out of a coffee cup in high school. Oh no, that was when I didn't know the effects of whiskey. <laughs> but rosé now is starting to taste like either either throw up or soap. I
1: have drank so much wine as as now, like, part of my job that, like, every glass of wine is terrible, so it's...
3: Are you... That's so sad.
1: Can I tell you an embarrassing thing I did just two days ago? Uh, We went to this nice restaurant here in L.A., and I was drinking a whiskey drink, and this man came up and was like, oh, you're not drinking wine? Which is... Like, a lot of people say that to me, and I'm like, no, I'm drinking whiskey, and he was like, oh, I'll get you another one, and he did and I, I, Barry was with me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this happens all the time." And only like forty five minutes later did I realize he was the sommelier, and he was just asking if I was drinking wine because <laughs> that's his fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> he It was more of a personal
3: affront to him that you weren't drinking and less yeah. of a fan
1: moment. <laughs> like, literally, his job is to just ask, oh, you're not drinking wine? <laughs> and I just was like, oh, yes, this is all about me right now. But
3: now, also, like, fuck him for being so arrogant. <laughs> like, I'm not. You can see I'm not. Like, yeah. why are we talking about it?
1: Right, right. Also, I don't need, like, the, the concept of a sommelier, to me, is like, I don't need someone to tell me what I would like to order.
3: One of my friends I've known for the longest time is a... Wine writer, uh huh. And but I still can't deal with the fact that I don't understand the entire system, right? Like, isn't everything oaky? Isn't everything <laughs>
1: floral? Yeah. Every you can smell whatever you want if you believe hard enough, yeah. yeah. And what if you
3: have a cold? It's totally different,
1: exactly. I don't know. Um, this is just a wild left turn because I have no good transitions, but I want to ask about uh, so you were at just for laughs in Montreal. Oh, yeah. I want to just get angry about this because I I I am so angry about it and I wasn't even there. For people who don't know, I mean there are a lot of things that happened. So many things. <laughs> One was uh, Southern Mama, some YouTube guy whose stuff I haven't seen and I like live on the internet. He also describes himself as the fastest growing comedian on ever. So he was like one of the the variety comics to watch. One of 10. Somehow, The only like straight white man of the 10. Yeah. I know he like didn't get along very well with the other comedians. And then. He was, straight
3: up started a fight on one of the panels that he was on.
1: Yeah. And then was outspoken about the fact that he like thought comedy was not a space to talk about race and gender, um, but also, like, w- just didn't really tell jokes no by the jokes. sound of it. It was just, I like... I think he
3: told one joke that has been attributed to Buster Keaton or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: The, and his opening joke was, like, a toast to our, our wives and girlfriends, may they never meet. Yes. And Which it's is like, a uh, joke <laughs> from
3: 1923. He just... I mean... I feel two ways about him. Number one, I just feel like – I guess there's a space for everyone if they, uh-huh. to do whatever they want. I'm not going to be like a First Amendment cook <laughs> or whatever. But I think that he – at a certain point, what I think people aren't talking about is the fact that he started all this shit with these – queer people of color other the other comedians on the panel and started shit trying to tell them what is and is not appropriate and he doesn't even do stand up and then then he was allowed to then later that day perform on a showcase with them right no one ever thought everyone was like oh what an asshole but no one ever thought like hey is this putting our other performers in danger mm-hmm. that this guy is so combative and so hostile yeah because that's a fear. I mean, as a woman, if I'm in a room with a bunch of guys, straight guys, I imi- I'm immediately like, where's the exit? <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm not thinking it, I'm like subconsciously going, how do I get out of this if I need to? Yeah. So I feel like there was that thing that I I didn't really see people talking about. And also, there was a discussion of whether or not people should talk about this online and give him more yeah. of a platform.
1: Right, right.
3: I don't think there's a bright answer for it.
1: No, no. That An extension of that has been like we're only talking about him and not the nine other people who are amazing and yeah and i i love all other nine people most of them have been guests on this show and like uh, yeah we should keep talking about all of them uh, i get
3: it's 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 but you can also justify it like, look, this is still going on, yeah, and this shouldn't be happening. And where were the where were the checks and balances to keep this guy from, um, you know, verbally attacking these other these strangers? Yeah, who he should be, you know, I don't know asking for tips on how to be a better comedian and (laughs) how do you tell a joke and what's the setup? (laughs) Well, another uh, thing
1: I was reading touched on this, which is like in improv, which you're like an improv person, right? You're like UCB.
3: Yeah. X. I mean, I used to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I dabble.
3: I couldn't take the 11 (laughs) p.m. Tuesday night rehearsals anymore.
1: Yeah. But there was an article I was reading that was like part of – the scary thing about being like marginalized within the comedy community if you're like part of an improv class and you're on a show with a straight white man you have to kind of go along with his his choices on stage which might be racist or or bigoted or something like have you experienced that?
3: Okay, I actually have a great story. So Susan Messing was my first improv teacher in mm-hmm. Chicago. She's she's kind of a legend there. She is a legend there. And she had this really – I don't even know if this applies now, but I really – I always think about it. She was like when a guy – calls you a slut on stage, when a straight white guy calls you a slut on stage or does something aggro like that, you go, I sure am. You want to see all my abortions? <laughs> and you make him regret yeah. ever saying that. You have to teach people. It's kind of a hard place to come from because you have to out, you have to like top from the bottom a little bit because you're yeah. always trying to be like, no, you're going to do this. I'm going to call the shots, blah, 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 So I always thought about that. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you make someone instantly regret Everything they just said. Yeah. Without looking like an asshole. An improv you people know the deal that you're yes anding and you're like, Okay, you wanna go here? Let's do it. I'm fucking I'm gonna show you how wrong you are. Right. But I don't know if you can do I don't know if you can do that now without looking like you're also an asshole.
1: Yeah. I yeah. don't know.
3: But I think I – mean, no, I
1: think, like, that's – you have to, like, fight fire with fire. She's a
3: nihilist, though. She's like
1: <laughs> – That's where we've, we've come as a like, society. She's like,
3: yeah, suck his dick on stage. She's like, wait, hold on, Susan. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the, best, the best defense is a good offense. You know? Yeah, tell
3: him to pull his dick out and stick it in your butt. <laughs> okay.
1: But, yeah, I mean, that is part of the scary thing about improv. It feels like you kind of are giving up a little bit of control.
3: Yes, but when it's with people you really trust and you love, it yeah. feels really good. Yeah, and you and it's really fun because you get to find new things together. I just I think that I just think it's really hard to how do you put that group together? Because usually with improv groups, you either put yourself together or your cast together, and yeah. that's just it. It's like a certain magic that has to happen. Yeah, I don't know how you do it.
1: I don't. That's why I just get do a casting director. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like You're fuck smart. it.
3: You don't have to deal with anyone's schedule. You don't have to deal with anyone else's thing. I also wish all the glory and all the defeat. Right. Yeah.
1: That's the that's the hard part though. It's like you have a bad show. It's just you and your sorrows and you have to go back to a hotel room and just like lie there.
3: Oh, I heard a rule about that. You're only allowed to be as upset as the set last.
1: Oh, interesting! So if it was
3: five minutes,
1: so five hours.
3: (laughs) Yeah, oh sorry, (laughs) then multiply by hours. Thirty minutes, thirty hours.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the other thing that I saw that you you talked a lot about was um, Hannah Gadsby performed. Yeah, Nanette is like I I've only watched it once and I feel like I need to savor it and and. Go back and watch it like at half speed, just so I can fully. I feel like it like shook me to my core. She's, you know, a, a lesbian, middle aged comic uh, who has kind of says she's made her career on self deprecating humor.
3: It was, it was when I, I watched it like the weekend it came out, and because uh, I got texts from many people that yeah. were like, if you don't watch this, I can't talk to you on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> and I, It was so confusing because at some points I was, like, crying. Yeah. And I was – isn't it crazy to, like, watch comedy and just be crying and then be like, (laughs) yes, and then laughing and just getting exactly what she said and being so honest and raw. And she changed the game. Yeah. And it was so obvious at JFL because everyone was freaking the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. All the straight guys were losing their shit. (laughs) Good. They couldn't – Handle it. So she was on a showcase with um, like eight other comedians uh-huh. and she was doing like a five or seven minute set. I wouldn't say like her set was like the best. It wasn't the worst. And everyone was there to see – everyone was just there to see her yeah. do whatever the fuck she wants, you know? Yeah. Like she even did a long thing where she, the mic stand was wobbly and she was – she said as a lesbian, I it really bothers me that I can't fix this right now. <laughs> and I don't even think she was meant to be funny but everyone was like, yes, whatever you say. We love yeah, you. Know. Yeah, yeah. So it was really doubly then making all the straight guys angry because they were like, "Oh, she could just get up there and talk about a wobbly mic stand and being a dyke, and then everyone's gonna laugh." Yeah, oh, I'm mad about this. And they would they they went up. It got increasingly hostile on the show.
1: It's so it's so absurd because it's just like you're watching them melt down, but also they're just proving her point. Like the more and more they go, it's just like well, you're just you're just playing yourself right now.
3: What also. If you think you're so much funnier than her, then get up and do some fucking jokes. <laughs> Don't complain and whine and be a baby about it. Yeah. Uh, this idea, too, that there's only finite amount of success for everybody is so fucked up. And it's yeah. it's just I, – I think it's totally divisive in a community that would be great if we could all kind of band together and help each other. Yeah. I know that's like a hippie thing to say, but <laughs> there's no – the people who want – Us to think that are people in charge who are giving out the TV shows. Yeah, and that doesn't have anything to do with us and our friends.
1: Right, right.
3: And it never has. So don't be a dick to your fucking your colleague. Right, because she got a Netflix special and everyone's talking about her.
1: Yeah. Do you I have seen so many people even people who are not like straight white dudes feel like Nanette like truly changed the way that they think about making comedy. Like I it fucked me up where I'm like I need to like throw everything away that I've ever done and like start over and be like just like I think In the what thing way? the thing that shook me the most she had a, she had this thing about like self-deprecating humor. But when you're on the margins, self-deprecating humor kind of crosses the line from being humble to humiliating yourself for the sake of other people's laughs. It's like, you know, people – you're kind of getting people to laugh at you and not really with you, which, you know – You can debate whether or not that's entirely true. You're still owning the laugh. You're still, like, getting up there and owning it, even if you are poking fun at yourself. But it made me think a lot about, like, if I get up on stage and tell jokes about myself and being gay, am I, like, giving people permission to laugh at gay people who – Maybe shouldn't have that permission. Yeah. And it may, it just made me think way more about, like, who actually is the butt of the jokes that I'm telling.
3: I also think that with her, t- the timing of her special coming out, it just feels like people who are on the margins have more, I don't want to say permission, but it's safer for yeah. us to say, like, no, fuck you. I'm going to make fun of you. You're not going to make fun of me. I'm going to make fun of you, and I'm not going to step here and make fun of myself because we're going to talk about what how fucked up you are right now. Yeah, guy in power or person in power or whatever. That didn't necessarily feel as safe to do. I think pre me too mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it felt like oh well, you're just a, you're just an angry bitch or yeah. you're just an angry gay man. Yeah, you're just angry, and now it's like well no I can be angry and funny at the same time. Yeah, this doesn't have to be just a punching myself in the face situation.
1: Right, right. Yeah, there, there was uh, this other thing. I, I feel like I've read like every think piece about <laughs> like just relapse and everything, but like. There's a, the, a lineup on Netflix, the stand-ups, I think, where it's just like 15-minute sets from a bunch of people, most of whom are like just not like a straight white dude. Uh, and most of them like get up there and at least the first joke is like about what makes them not a straight white person, like what sets them apart. And that impulse comes from a place of like most audiences, like the default is a straight white dude. So you have to, like in order to get the audience on your side, you have to point out what makes you different.
3: Well, we need to also make sure, I mean, I don't, there just needs to be some sort of initiative too to be like, I, I'd love to have an audience at the improv that's not all, that's not a bunch of bros from Orange County. <laughs> That'd be nice. Who wouldn't? Yeah. I remember, okay, this has nothing to do with comedy, but it is tangential. So I was at the Magic Castle, which uh-huh. is a- As you do. You go, to, you know, it's a Tuesday, you got nothing to do. You go right to in
1: a full tuxedo. Magic
3: Castle for one of their delicious steaks. And and hand tricks and sleight of hand. Hand tricks is a different thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you were just turning tricks at the magic castle. Right, in the,
3: right next to the telephone that you pick up and then you see a skeleton. Um, that's a real thing. I don't know what the trick is. You're just like, there's a skeleton behind the mirror. Um, I'm supposed to be scared. I'm you know, I, right. have a, <laughs> right. I have a 10-year-old car. Um, I've been an adult for a while. So they, there was a guy there who does this amazing thing where he does um, silhouette cut uh, portraits, but he does them with scissors. Uh-huh. So he'll cut your silhouette out of a black piece of paper with a pair of scissors, and it's fucking brilliant. And this guy is probably the only guy in the universe who does it. And uh-huh. I was just so fascinated with him, and he said, yeah— a lot of – I was just talk, I was talking to him too long. Yeah. He needed to make money and I was like, I need to know everything about you, Mark, or whatever his name is. And he said a lot of guys won't do it because they think it's gay. <laughs> what? And
0: I was like, wait, they Bros. think their
1: profile is gay? <laughs> Silhouettes are gay.
3: But I think about that when I think about like, mag- like places like the Magic Castle, places like the improv, places like the comedy store. They have just traditionally been like that's where dudes go to laugh. Yeah. And we've got to change that. Yeah. Comedy places need to be – comedies, venues need to be places where everyone feels safe and everyone feels welcome. Right, right. So I think it's twofold. It's like the comedians feeling like they're safe to say whatever they want to say and then the audience also being representative of who the comedians are on stage.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like you, like, are typically performing for people who are, like – they listen to your podcast and, like, they're coming out for you? Please, yeah.
3: I mean (laughs) – I I rarely I rarely have to have my like ass handed to me. <laughs> Unless I go really far too deep and then everyone's like, "No, Aaron, you can't do that." Yeah. I mean, do you go I go back and forth between like, should I go try to do something at an open mic and see how it goes? Like as a thing of like, am I really funny? Yeah. Can I, I make a bunch of strangers laugh? I don't know.
1: I feel I feel guilty about it. Like I like I should be able to do that. Uh
3: but also, you get to, there's, it's, you know, this is part of it, I think. Now that we're talking about it, it's like, do I really deserve this as a person who's been on the margins? Like, do yeah. I really deserve this thing? Maybe I should go do this other thing. Where- Put myself in danger and, like, <laughs> yeah. have people throw beer bottles at my head.
1: <laughs> right. I purposely make myself uncomfortable.
3: Yeah. Has
1: there been, like, a venue that you've been to where you're like, I can't believe I just had to do that?
3: Uh, well, no, but I remember there was a green room we, we were in once in Atlanta that was the – it had uh, – the floor was unfinished. Uh-huh. I'm not talking like it was like raw concrete. I'm saying it was like dirt. <laughs> dirt, and there was the electric meteors for the whole building was in there were in there, uh-huh. and there was nowhere to. We were just in a we were in a utility closet, <laughs> and I remember thinking, I think this is what we deserve. Yeah, I think this is exactly what we deserve. I do think there's a couple of cities that definitely have different tones.
1: Yeah,
2: like
3: Boston's tough. Mm -hmm. Like, you better bring your A game when you come to Boston and San Francisco.
1: I was scared of Boston because I've heard stories about how, like, if you bomb in Boston, they'll, like, beat the shit out of you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you'll get beat up back, like, in the alley behind the comedy club.
3: (laughs) They, they're like you wasted my time and my money
1: yeah yeah I I'd made I make some offhand joke about like because I was Catholic um I was like raised Catholic I
3: like the way that you said it. I was <laughs> yeah. Catholic me too yeah yeah I know and I know what you went through well what? I don't know exactly what you went through but I know kind of what you went through
1: <laughs> I was never an altar boy okay, like good. I never I was never around any priests for an extended period of time not alone never alone uh but I've made some joke along those lines in Boston and that that was, uh, yeah, that's like, you might as well spit in the Pope's face. They're like,
3: we're still covering up crimes. How dare you?
1: I was like, no, no, no. This is, we're, we've all seen Spotlight. There's no, you can't ignore this. No.
3: We, there, I was asking my aunt about that, because they all went to Catholic school and I was like, do you think anyone in the family was, anything happened? And she, she was like, well, I don't know for sure, but I do know that um, Father O'Leary used to take an all boys trip. To Myrtle Beach, oh my it, people would let the fucking priest take their boys to Myrtle Beach for the for a week. Uh, Can you imagine in the seventies? Like it's not the forties where you're dumb,
1: right? I don't know why right. I thought
3: people in the seventies <laughs> were way smarter. <laughs> the years that we poisoned the environment, people yeah. were letting that happen.
1: This might be unrelated. In fact, it probably is unrelated. But my, I never went to like Catholic, like day school. Like, I, I didn't go to, like, Catholic the private school. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I had, like, uh, you know, a weekly, like, kind of Sunday school thing. After CCD, I don't dipped, know if you had... You just
3: dipped your toe in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, but my dad uh, went to, like, private Catholic school all throughout his childhood. No. And in high school, they had to do, like, gym class, swimming, naked.
0: This is just
1: a Chicago thing. Apparently, it's a what? Chicago... I, I feel like... My spotlight is going to be uncovering that this was like an absurd <laughs> thing like, cuz Barry's dad also said the same thing where they had to do like high school swimming class completely naked and have like chicken fights.
3: <gasps> that is that is rent boy dog home. That's what that is. <laughs> My dad told us
1: to us and none of us believed him. He tried
3: <laughs> Was he what was his angle like this is a crazy thing and everyone's like dad you were because well,
1: I, I was always, like, I still am, like, nerd, chubby, gay. When I was in high school, I was like, I'm not taking gym class. Whatever you have to do, like, get the doctor to write me a note. It got me nowhere. Uh, I, I was like, I have swimmer's ear. If, like, a drop of water gets in my ear, my brain will explode. And the doctor was like, I'll write you a prescription for earplugs. <laughs> so I was that kid with, like, earplugs, plug, goggles. But my dad was, like... I had, like, you'll get through it. I had to swim naked. <laughs> it was like, get over I it. I am
3: shocked.
1: Yeah. And we we didn't really believe him in, until one day we were listening to, like, the radio in the car.
0: <gasps>
1: Why boys swam naked in Chicago high school. And what's the answer? A, a WBEZ <laughs> Curiosity. <laughs> report.
0: Curiosity
1: is the show. I just assumed, like, whenever I heard this story that it was like, that was normal. Like, kids in the 70s were just naked, I guess.
3: But just for swimming. Yeah. Not for any other... Why? Because it resembles a bath? Is that what it... It's because they're wet? I think it was like
1: like sanitary reasons. Yeah. That
3: makes no (laughs) sense. (laughs) This is me. I
1: would be the superintendent that would justify it.
3: Don't you want your butthole and your pee Uh, hole to just be... (laughs) Anything that's going to come off of it just to be inside your bathing suit.
1: Yeah. I don't know how we got on this topic besides me. just a-
3: Catholic, You were raised
1: Catholic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily related because so it wasn't just
3: Catholic schools. It was all public schools and yeah. it wasn't the
0: girls. No. Uh, boy. I mean, they swam separately.
3: Right. But so. did the girls have to swim nude with each other and also chicken fight? No. That's why I think it's a weird gender thing. Yeah. You're making the guys <laughs> fight naked but not the girls. <laughs> like, be equal with your weirdness. Yeah. Uh. Girls, punch each other. Get in the water and take off your clothes and punch each other in the face.
1: So did you go to, like, Catholic school or just, like, weekly?
3: No, my mom was went to Catholic school, but we just went – my mom was weird about religion. She, yeah. was, she was very, like – the church felt like – I know she was – She wasn't sexually abused by the church, but she was definitely, like, beaten and stuff with rulers and things like that. So she had that part of her, but then she also felt kind of safe at church. So whenever we'd move— We'd find the Catholic church and then go to that, which yeah. is weird in the South. Being a Catholic in Texas is – it's like being Jewish.
1: Because it's like – No one is Catholic. Most people are like evangelical.
3: Baptist, or Methodist. Born again. Yeah, yeah born-again Christian, evangelical. Yeah, they don't understand Catholicism.
1: Yeah. Uh, my dad's brother slapped a nun and got expelled because <laughs> they, they always use like corporal punishment and one day he was like – He enough. fought back and got expelled. So... It's There's so sad to think
3: people didn't take the side of kids in that situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How hopeless must you be to be like, well, I'm going to go to school, get this shit kicked out of me, and I'm going to come home. My parents aren't going to care. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I That's always so weird to me. I, I feel like I've seen a lot of, like, older comics make jokes like that, where it was like when like, when we were young, if I got beat up and told my mom, she'd go thank the guy who did it. And it's like, what is wrong with you? That's you why baby abused. boomers ruined the
3: world, because they were like, fuck, <laughs> yeah. no one was here for us, so fuck everybody. We're burning it down. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. Fortunately, I did not go to a daily Catholic school. You Um, just
3: got the weekend treatment.
1: We should. Well, I I do want to ask you about your book. Yeah. So your book is Feminasty. Mm -hmm. Is is there there a subtitle? Yeah. The Complicated Woman's Guide to Surviving the Patriarchy Without Drinking Herself to Death.
3: Which I'm sure you can appreciate the last part. Yes. Yes. Very hard not to just drink yourself into a stupor these days. (laughs) Although Uh, I managed to do it anyway.
1: How? What was the process of writing like?
3: I'm going to be very honest. Yeah. Author to author. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not going to say that writing a book is fun. No. And I'm not going to say that it was enjoyable.
1: <laughs> right.
3: But I was – I feel really proud of myself that I've done it and it felt really good when it was over. Yeah. I felt like, oh, my God. It was almost like hmm, – I'm trying to think of a way I could do this without being insulting to anybody. But like – I do feel like I was in a fugue state when I was doing it, uh-huh. just like stress style writing and yeah. just getting it done. And then when I finally had it done, I was like, I did something that was so incredibly hard and I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. And I would love to write, write another one. That's <laughs> what a damaged person does. <laughs> you go through yeah. a really stressful experience and you like, I more, please. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was, but you know what's good? I mean, I don't know if you felt like this about, about your book, which is very personal also, but um, mine is a mix of stats and statistics and, and kind of patterns of what, what are happening to women in ways that they may or may not realize, uh-huh. mixed in with my personal experience. And I I felt like when I first started writing it, I was really mad at a lot of people. And then by the time I was done, I could find forgiveness and then write it in a different way where I didn't seem so angry about the stuff that had happened to me and felt more like, oh, no, this is, I actually needed to go through this so I could tell this story. Yeah. Not that I... Not that I would ever be like, let's go have a bunch of bad experiences so I can write <laughs> about it, but just having more of a, yeah. a healthier outlook on stuff like my parents are have are May December romance. They uh-huh, there's uh-huh. there's 16 years difference. I didn't realize that I had until I wrote this book that I had had this pattern of dating older men, and I didn't really understand. I just thought I was like, I'm just too mature, which is not true. It's because my parents yeah. set up that that pattern, and then I you know followed it right and then here's why i think it's disgusting (laughs) 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 having been an 18 year old who slept with a 35 year old because Uh i thought like oh this makes me an adult right just just unraveling all of that all of that kind of damage and stuff to be like oh actually this is why i was doing it and this is why i don't think it's right but if you have a relationship that's like this and it's healthy great but let's make sure it's healthy let's make sure (laughs) everyone's on equal footing here yeah because oftentimes it's not
1: yeah I do like that there's like a, a a through line though that it's not just like random stories.
3: I it's really just like how can I? But it's sort of it is a lot of stories, but but couched in like, hey, here's what I went through. You probably went some through something similar. Mm-hmm. I don't something adjacent, and this is how it affects us in the bigger picture and why we have to address this. And just, just seeing. I don't know, just kind of outing that stuff yeah. in a way that doesn't feel like I'm just like, I'm an expert. This is why you should listen to me. It's like, no, I you know, have had this surgery or I've been through this or this thing has happened to me and this is why I think you should listen to me because I've been through it and here I'm on the other side and, and I know a lot of stuff about you know, STDs and breast cancer and a lot of other scary things that people don't want to talk about Yeah, and I know about them, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. I know firsthand about all those things, but yeah.
1: You're an expert.
3: I'm an expert, and you uh, on terrible things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, everybody should should trust everything you say um,
3: <laughs> with a grain of salt. Trust everything I say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to quickly transition to. Um, Basically, I I pulled a bunch of your tweets um, about a variety of topics, and I just want to expand on – these are things that you you, want. You you want 300 characters? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I want an expansion. Um, The song Hey Baby by No Doubt – you hate this song. I don't like it. According to, according to a tweet you sent in two thousand nine. Okay. <laughs> we went far. Oh, you back. know what? Because
3: I have I've been I've been very heavy on Instagram the last year and a half. Well,
1: your tweet was I, I hate say? the song Hey Baby by No Doubt more than the apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> just...
3: That was back when you could joke about something like that. You know, there weren't real problems. <laughs>
1: I hadn't even read the full tweet until just now.
3: I have to pull up. Okay, well, first of all, there's there's only seven words in the whole song. Is there really? I don't know. Hey, baby, I'm... hey, baby, hey, girls say, boys say, hey, baby, hey, baby, hey, hey, baby, baby. That's the chorus. Yeah, well, I mean, this, yeah. Here's what it is. Okay, I'm the kind of girl that hangs with the guys. First of all, fuck you. You've diluted our power. you've made us a weaker gender. This is why we don't can't have nice things, yeah, like a fly on the wall with my secret eyes. I don't know what that means, taking it all in, trying to be feminine. It just is reinforcing this weird like yeah. I'm a I'm a girl, but I just like hanging with guys because guys are so fun. It's like, well, I guess you've been hanging out with bitches and you can't find better friend I don't know what that is. It's yeah. a weird thing that girls do sometimes.
1: Coldplay. Mm-hmm. Um no, I. I don't know why all these tweets are from 2009. No, I love it. Please uh, let's
3: see. Let's see. Let's revisit who I was.
1: Has someone already used "cold puke" to describe Coldplay? <laughs> not
3: a good joke. This is not a good joke. I love it. It's perfect. Ah, uh, that is a tweet from someone who used to love Coldplay and is now embarrassed about it. Just full disclosure. Uh, there, I.
1: I think this is related. But uh, when you forget why you were angry about something is is one of them. Which I I think is appropriate.
3: This is the Coldplay situation. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't – here's what's fucked up about the Trump presidency. (laughs) I can't even allow myself to be angry about petty things like this anymore because my energy is so wrapped up in like, are there children dying in detention centers? Yeah. I really just – I really want our world to just be back to the freedom that I had where I could just complain about Coldplay. (laughs) That's all I want. That's my neutral, that's my neutral, is like, oh, this stupid thing, I can just complain about this.
1: I don't know if we'll ever be back
3: there. Like, I started listening to Dave Matthews' band again. (laughs) That's how bad it is right now. (laughs) I was like, oh, this does take me back to a nicer place. You're just,
1: like, reverting back to, like, your caveman times. It's
3: really weird. I've been listening to a lot of music from high school. Yeah. Out of nowhere. It's so weird. It's like a blanket. It's like a gravity blanket, which I want.
1: Yeah. Do you yeah. want one of those? I do want a gravity yeah. blanket But I'm it's I'm, too hot, right I'm now. convinced that it will actually make a difference.
3: I've heard from two people that it's fantastic and they're the only two people I know who own one.
1: I'll absolutely order one like the second I walk out of here now.
3: The rumor is there's glass beads in it so you can never destroy it because then you have glass all over your house. <laughs>
1: God forbid I rip my blanket and what I have having, shards of glass uh, in my skin. What if you have a
3: full charcuterie plate on your lap <laughs> while you're watching yeah. while you're watching the fall and you accidentally stab a, a, a you know a hard cheese knife through it. What an absurd uh,
1: situation. Uh, <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> but like you're just sleeping with like a plate of glass on you?
3: It's like the weight of it. It's yeah. somehow
1: well, we'll find out when I, I can't wait. when I wake up in a pile of my own blood. I
3: want to see it unboxed. I want to see the whole thing. I want to see you experience it for the first time.
1: Well, I think we can make that happen. <laughs> On that note... <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you and your work? Oh
3: well, um you can get the book on feminasty.com. There's a bunch of links to different retailers depending on your who you're angry at and who you're not. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and then I'm at Giblertron. That's my last name if I was a robot. G-I-B-B-L-E-R-T-R-O-N. Yeah.
1: And the book comes out September 4th? fourth,
3: and then Throwing Shade comes out every Thursday.
1: Amazing. Yeah.
3: Thanks for having me on. This is, you're always a fucking delight. Thank
1: you. Thanks for being Is it hard being, being such a
3: delight? Um, yes. <laughs> yes.
1: It is exhausting and I'm going to have to go take a nap to get over it. You earned it. All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go
0: down Barry. Do you have a chaser? I do have a chaser. What is it? Originally, it was going to be the concert that you took us to. But now... But my chaser this week does include a time where we were talking about On the Run tour. True. True. It's Pop Rocket. So there's this podcast called Pop Rocket. And it's usually hosted by Guy Branham, who has been a friend of the pod. Um, And we were on their show. And it was my I'm I'm on mic for it. And it was my first time being on a podcast that I was not producing. So that was a fun chaser for me. Uh, It was it was a great conversation. It it should be out by the time this episode comes out. So if you want to go listen to it, Matt and I are on it. And yeah, it was a good time. It made me happy. That was my chaser for the week.
1: Your first and only time on a podcast (laughs) that you have not produced. So don't get used to it.
0: All right. What about you, Matt? My chaser
1: is a franchise. It is a piece of American iconography. It is a piece of our culture. It is Mamma Mia. Because I have been listening to Mamma Mia, the soundtrack for what feels like forever. Even though I had just watched the movie Mamma Mia for the very first time, like a month ago.
0: And then we watched it together this past week and it was my first time.
1: Again. And it's a horrible movie, even though it was nominated for a Golden Globe for best picture (laughs) it was so fun though and Meryl Streep was nominated for as best actress which feels like it's only because it's Meryl Streep but I don't give a shit okay it's amazing and now Mamma Mia Here We Go Again is out and Cher is putting out an entire cover album of ABBA songs
0: what yes I did not know this
1: how did you not know this it's all that the internet has been talking about and by the internet I mean like five gay people that I follow (laughs) Um she just released the first teaser song which is Gimme Gimme Gimme
2: Gimme Gimme Gimme
1: Anyway mamma mia what a joy And that's it! Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher. Wherever you get podcasts, hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Claire Ty, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky, Josh Gwynn, and Dana at Earwolf. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can find me on all the social medias at Matt Bellisai. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Yeah.